Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have a great podcast for you. I am talking to Mr. Wahid Sharif. He is the president of BACO, which is the Bangladesh Association of Contact Centers and Outsourcing. As the name suggests, they are the association for Bangladeshi outsourcing. And I have a great conversation with Wahid about the booming industry. Wahid has been there since the beginning. It started in its early embryonic stages about 10 to 15 years ago. And now, such a short time later, they have over 350 outsourcing companies employing thousands of people doing billions of dollars of revenue. It's really great to see and also explore with Wahid how they built the industry literally from the ground up and also where it is now and the sophistication of Bangladesh and the willingness of the workforce there. It's a really great story and I always find it super exciting to see more and more countries aspire, enter and aspire to the outsourcing industry. It's uh, so fantastic to see. As always, if you want any of the show notes for this episode, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Wahid, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You are the president of BACO, which is the Bangladesh Association of Contact Center and Outsourcing. I am on a mission to really explore outsourcing right across the globe, and we see incredible things happening right across a number of economies, countries. So I'd, I'd love to get your perspective on Bangladesh, um, both the, the history of the outsourcing there and, and also the future and the potential of outsourcing in Bangladesh. So. Uh, thank you for joining us. I suppose we can start by, do you want to just outline uh, BACO? What exactly is BACO and, and what's its, uh, what is it working on? Yeah, 
Sure. Thank you. So yeah, BAPCO actually, as you said, stands for Bangladesh Association of Contact Center and Outsourcing. We represent, this is a trade body definitely, and we represent the uh, outsourcing industry or BPO industry in Bangladesh. So BAPCO has currently about 350 members who actually serves domestic market and also international market from Bangladesh. And BAPCO was founded about 2008-2009. It was the formation that happened. So during that time, if I may say that 2000, 2009, the industry just kind of like a crawling BPO, people, you know, didn't, were, were not aware of what is outsourcing, especially in the local market. Previously, we tried outsourcing, but we initially tried with international market. I think personally, I think that was not the right approach, but I was not in the industry at that point. I came into the industry around 2010, 2011 time, year, right. year. So... So the local market, the local resource pool, the local processes, the technology, none of them were really were ready. And mm-hmm. so, so 2009, when BAPU was formed, we had about roughly eight or nine companies initially scratching on the surface of BPO. And then the revenue, I would say about 25 to 26 million, maybe 300 or 400 people working in this industry. So that was the journey that started in 2009 and 2009, right? And then since then, now 2023, we came a long way, I would say. So if I give you the, as I said, it's almost 350 companies now, our members. And we're doing almost 700 million revenue. We have almost 70,000 workforce working in this industry. So, and the other part is out of this workforce, its majorities are young graduates, the young population of Bangladesh. And mainly, I want to highlight one point is we were able to create a safe working environment for female employees. So out of the whole IT industry, the BPU industry is employing almost 40% female employee uh, in this sector. And it's growing every day. I think I was checking at the data last couple of weeks back. I think it crawled uh, up again to 44, 45% uh, range of the female employment uh, in the BPO sector. So out of 70,000 or 75,000 employment that's in this industry, currently 40, almost 45% is female employment. That's fantastic. And it's really, really exciting that you were there to see the really early embryonic stage of the industry. You know, it, it's I find it so exciting that more and more countries now are joining the outsourcing industry and you know the race to be a preferred outsourcing destination we see a lot of countries in africa also seeing you know the potential for outsourcing and all wanting to join the outsourcing industries and a lot of them have this cold start problem and it's like i kind of understand what it is but don't quite know how to get it started what did you experience when you were observing it in the early embryonic stages and what, how did the industry or maybe individually the companies, how did they start to get the ball rolling? Well, when I first came into this industry around, you know, late 2010, 2011, where, when my companies at Incon Technologies Limited started BPO in Bangladesh, the first challenge we faced was resources. You know, I think still we're facing the, the resources, the skilled resources that we need for the BPO industry because it's a little bit different industry than any other uh, industry where you need the soft skills, communication skills, more than hard 
technological skill. So that was definitely one of the major challenge at that at that time. The other challenge we faced, people or the company who were in that uh, at that time started didn't have good technology or know-how how to set up a BPO shop, you know, right. media call center or back office or you know any non-voice processes. So 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 we had to like when I came in about 2010 2011 I had to actually did multiple things. I had to create the awareness of the market, create the awareness of our in- internal company stakeholders like the technology people, the HR people. Also have to uh, create awareness in the market to get client because the client what we faced at that time that we actually didn't have a local BPO market. So we had to create the local BPO market because if you if you don't have a local good local market, you are not being able to have your processes ready. You're not going to have your resources ready. And you don't know how to train your resources. You don't know what technology you need to be using. It. Or not only your customer processes, but your internal company's uh, processes <clears> and <throat> how to operate your admin. If you have to be up 24 by 7, uh, what are the things that you need? Uh, how do you reduce your attrition rates? How do you keep your employee motiva- motivated? Because it's, uh, uh, the jobs are not... You know, we all know that BPO is a repetitive job, a lot of phone calls, people have to be on the phone or on the computer, hours after hours, how do you keep them motivated? So a lot of cultural change has to happen. So so my point is, the lo- there has to be a local, strong local market first, before you can go to the international market. Because when an international company outsourced to you, they will not give you that time or chance or opportunity to fix your processes because it's, right. it is a business critical uh, process that they're outsourcing to you. So they want to see the company has a solid base and backup and an understanding of the whole whole business. So so we had to go through this, the learning, kind of like a learning phase for last seven, eight years to have a strong local BPO market. So now that we do have that, we do have these processes, and Barco actually is working with these stakeholders, with our members, company, with our international partners, to bring the best practices, bringing the, the the best technology, training our members how to get all these things in place, how to train your resources, what are the modules or the training curriculum that you need to be train your resources. So, so now I think we got that part covered. So. So that we are ready yeah. for the market. There's a lot to consider, and you know it's kind of easy to absorb these things if there's a lot of businesses and a lot of staff in the sector. But if you're starting from that cold start, it is really difficult, isn't it, to develop those norms and those standards and things like that. And I think clients have very little tolerance for for learning on the job, you know, and rightly so. Like clients. And clients are very good in that they don't really discern that much on where you're doing it from and necessarily even the price as long as it's done and it's done well. And so I think that the, the, the core issue is actually sort of getting capabilities up to an international standard, isn't it? And then everything's easier. When you were starting out and you were looking for f- foreign clients, did you feel that you were you know, having to sell Bangladesh to some degree. Most people have to sell their company and their own product. But did you really feel that actually you were kind of representing Bangladesh? Were people really interested in 
the country as destination or were they only really concerned about can you and your company do the work? No, I just hit the right point, especially on the international. When we were, I mean, from Babco, we actually shifted our focus to more international in the last couple of years. And that the major challenge that we are facing is the country banding. Because people are, you know, majority of our client base are our easily in North America or Europe or Australia. Uh, <clears throat> those are the countries are majority of our international customers are based in. So when we were communicating with them, they, first of all, they don't know Bangladesh. I mean, yes, they do know Bangladesh, but they know Bangladesh for their RNG sector, because then Bangladesh is the second largest ready-made garments manufacturing country in the world. So everybody knows Bangladesh as we produce garments, clothes. But when we're going say, hey, we are a BPO company, or Bangladesh is the BPO destination, BPO hub, we are doing this, we have, but they don't, they cannot connect. So, uh, so that is, and I think still that's one of the major challenge when we are going international is the country banding, because people still don't know Bangladesh and what Bangladesh as a country has to offer. So they need to first be comfortable with Bangladesh. They need to know what Bangladesh is before then they can come and talk to individual companies what the company has to offer. Because uh, what we see is we keep telling them to look, you know, Bangladesh, has a demographic dividend. You know, we have 65% of our population is, is youth from between age between 25 to 35. We have almost 170 million people. So if, we, if you do the calculation out of 170 million, 65% is between age of 25 to 35. So there's a huge population they can work for in you know, the next 10, 15, 20 years, even more which there are a lot of international countries there, they don't have that privilege, they don't have that manpower or young manpower to work in the industry. So, so that's the number one benefit Bangladesh has. Second is if you look at the economy, we were, we had a tremendous GDP growth, almost 6% plus for last eight to 10 years, year on year, 6%, above 6% growth. I mean, if I'm talking about before Corona time and COVID period, after COVID, you know, Things has changed a little bit, but still, we we mean growth uh, and stability. Their political stability, and and the other major benefit that we have is the is our government is fully supporting the ITITS industry and the PPO industry because they know that this industry can grow and they it can be another export earning sector for the country. So the government is giving full support on the policies, lots of incentives to our companies, especially if you do export, we're getting 10% cash incentive on export. So if somebody is providing services from Bangladesh to outside, getting foreign currency, earning, they're getting straight 10% off their foreign uh, remittance that they get of, this, of that export. Then there, there are a lot of IT technology parts that government is building throughout the countries. And if you go take an office, it's all subsidized rate, fantastic facilities, you get tax break, even inside the country, you get tax break and a lot of trainings. You will be amazed to know that government is uh, providing a lot of technology training, soft skill training, on-job training, and so that the companies can train their resources and hire them and minimize that gap that people are coming out from universities or colleges 
and directly hit in the job market and start to be productive. So, so it's good. So it's good to see there's a lot of government support, and I think that's yes. absolutely critical. I think governments now are realizing just what an incredible opportunity this outsourcing is, because for the first time ever, young Bangladeshi graduates previously were kind of contained to the Bangladesh domestic economy and the strength or weakness of that. Whereas now, if they can open a laptop and tap into the US economy or UK or Canadian economy, it's an incredibly powerful opportunity, isn't it? And so it's creating those, the rails and the platform on which all of your young graduates and millennials and can tap into those economies. And it's amazing. It's great. You know, I talked to a number of other countries about developing their outsourcing industry. And it, there is a bit of a catch-22 in that before it can really start going, you need the, the basics in terms of reasonable supply of A-grade office space. You need reliable electricity. You need fast and cheap enough internet and utilities and things like that. And then, of course, the supply of uh, good staff and typically graduates and typically people that can speak English to a high degree. How does Bangladesh fare with all of those sort of infrastructure and, and also language, English graduates and things? Yeah, as you mentioned, that the infrastructure, the government is actually exactly that's doing exactly the same thing as they say, that government is building all this high-end technology park throughout the countries. And there are office spaces that you can take and it's, you know, it's a very reasonable price and it's all ready-made office. You just go and plug and play. So, so the cost of your CapEx gets much more reduced and you can sign long-term contracts in a much more reduced price. So your OPEX is also much more reasonable. So, so that covers the, the physical infrastructure. There are high-speed uninterruptible bandwidth or internet connection throughout the countries. The government, what the government has done is they have focused on laying fibers, the, the hard line, the fiber line throughout the Bangladesh, all the way to the, we call it union, but if I say all the way to the rural areas so that you have high-speed internet connection all, the, all throughout the country, it doesn't matter wherever you, you are sitting. Uh, <clears throat> we just achieved, I think, a couple of months back, or I think six months back, that almost 90, 99% of Bangladesh is under power connection. So right. we have electricity, we don't have that problem with electricity anymore. So there are a lot of uninterrupted power is there, your building facilities is there, and your internet connection is, is there. The fourth you said is the resources. I think we are, you know, I want to be very honest about this, but yes, we are still facing some challenges, but we have overcome, as I say, the government is heavily investing in training those resources. The people who are coming out, if they need English speaking training, they're providing English speaking training whichever long, however long it takes, whatever the cost it takes, they're providing. And they're giving the company, that's the benefit of it, they're giving the company to, to train their own resources. It's not a set curriculum. The company can decide what are the training that they want to give their employees. If it's, a, if it's an English-speaking training they want to give. Also, Japanese. We're seeing a lot of Japanese companies are showing interest in Bangladesh. So the government is trained employees or trained people in Japanese language also, so, so that they can tap into that, that market. So that part is it's an ongoing process. We are doing it for the last couple of years. We, have, we are seeing a huge potential, which uh, helping the industry. So 
so it's a, the ecosystem is there. The ecosystem is there. And so, but as I say, the countries who are our, basically the customer base, they actually need to know these are the things that Bangladesh has to offer. Mm. Mm. It's good. It's great. You know, and whatever you don't have now, if there's systems put in place and there's the motivation by the government and has enough funding, then they'll certainly be in place in time, won't they? Which Absolutely. Is, which Absolutely. is really important. And, you know, I, there's two ways of developing an outsourcing industry. There's grassroots, such as yourself starting your own business 15 years ago. And of course, if that proliferates, as you say, there's been there's now about 350 companies doing it, which is fantastic. The other way, of course, is having locators, as they're referred to, which is the large multinational enterprise BPOs that typically have 50 to 500,000 staff around the world. And typically, they're spread across 20 to 50 countries across the world, locate to your country and, you know, obviously lease big uh, facilities in those IT parks and employ a lot of people. Now, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because they would, to some degree, limit the capacity, well, limit the, the grassroots growth and potentially be competitors to you yourself. Um, but it's very good because it develops the industry and, of course, develops the the workforce. Uh, have Has Bangladesh had any luck yet with locators and, and getting the big outsourcing brands to settle in Bangladesh? Well, yes and no. And yes, if I say the yes first, of course, in in healthcare industry, we have seen Augmetics. And I don't know if you heard the concept, an US-based company. They are in the medical services business in US. So they have actually set up a shop in Bangladesh last four or five years ago, and they have seen a huge, huge potential. They start, I know they started with 100 employees, and now I think they're almost close to 1,000 employees. They're providing, the, they're, they're providing services from Bangladesh to the U.S. doctors, uh, uh, live services. So, so yes, in that case, also we've seen a, a huge positive sign on the on the graphics and animation uh, uh, sector also, because we have companies here, they're, provi- they're working for global brand like Adidas, Nike, Puma, and doing all their online picture editing shop uh, and every, you know, worldwide, every image that goes out for those brands is getting done from Bangladesh. Similarly, your clothing brands, you know, we see like e-commerce sites, big departmental stores like Macy's or Tesco or Walmart. They're they the big online shopping giants. They are getting their digital marketing, their image processing, content development. Those are the things getting done from Bangladesh. But on the other side, if I say that, no, we would still love to see a big like, hey, you know, or Dell or Microsoft or IBM or any of those big names setting up shop in Bangladesh with 20,000 people or 10,000 people. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking the big outsourcing brands like Teleperformance and Concentrics and Alorica. Exactly. You know, absolutely. Accenture. Accenture Accenture actually was in Bangladesh. They actually worked four or five years in Bangladesh and then they actually... Just last year, or right after COVID, I think, because of the COVID situation, they had some strategical uh, changes. But Accenture was here. But as you say, yeah, I mean, the big outsourcing companies also, we have not uh, 
seen they were Tech Mahindra was here once exploring ice on BPO. I don't know if you heard about heard, heard their name. Right. They're big in African market. Uh, they were here at one point. Wipro is here. Wipro is in Bangladesh. So you have a few of the Indian BPOs. Correct. Correct. Across to Bangladesh, yeah. And for the complete layman, how would you compare? I don't know if you sort of appreciate being compared to India, but how do you compare as a workforce to, to India? Like, how, do, how are the salaries? Are there any sort of advantages, disadvantages, would you suggest? Because, of course, India is a very established outsourcing partner. So it does seem somewhat of a natural uh, development to expand across to Bangladesh. Yeah, if you absolutely, we always do this comparison with India. I mean, definitely, if I want to talk about the advantage and disadvantage, let's talk about the advantages first. First, if we are talking about voice part of it, Bangladesh is one language, one homogeneous dialect, so we have no accent issues, right? We all are, you know, accents are same, which actually India has many dialects, and they have different regions, speaks differently, different accents. So that's one of the major advantages that Bangladesh has. We are, another advantage is it's a, it's a small country. So there's, you know, you can get a lot of people, a lot of resources in one place. So you don't have to go actually multiple locations or multiple places. Wherever you go, you'll find your resources because there's a lot of people in one small country. So disadvantage-wise, if I'm talking about disadvantage-wise, we are still, I think, a little bit behind. If India is producing thousands of thousands of engineers or BPO uh, employees, from there we are probably producing hundreds. We are trying to gear up to that level because this is one of the challenges I faced when I was talking to the international companies or international BPO companies. The number one question they ask is, okay, how if I need 100 Python programmer or 500 CCNA or network administrator to support you know, IT support. Can you give me the 500 or a thousand? You know, so mm-hmm. that's I think one of the disadvantage with India that in, India is able to provide thousands of thousands of the specific uh, resources, where Bangladesh is still gearing up to that level uh, to catch uh, that Got volume. Other salaries and. Taxation system roughly equivalent or? Salary is really- uh, definitely that's an advantage. I think in, in general, I can say that we are all about 20 to 25% cheaper than India right. Uh, right. in general, in, in just uh, across the line. Uh, and your uh, taxation and everything, I think it's, as I said, the government is giving a lot of incentive, in, in, especially in this industry, if you are working here. You get a lot of incentives. As an employee, also, you get a lot of incentives. If you especially work in any of this IT park, the IT park itself has incentives like first three years, no taxation, then slowly it gears out. Then as a company, you enjoy 10 years with a reduced tax. Uh, as an overall industry, enjoy no income tax up to next year. And I think we're, it will be extended till 2030, 2031. We're working on that. So employees are getting advantage, companies are going to be getting advantage, uh, all these incentives. So definitely industry-wise, if we're comparing India, India is a mature market, they don't have those incentives anymore. So Bangladesh is actually, compared to that, still enjoying 
all these benefits, employee and company-wise. That's great. Well done. And how are you, how's the momentum in the industry now? I mean, I suppose it was a bit of a ghost town when there were, you know, when you were just starting out, but now you have 350 companies and you also very critically have an association that is, you know, I suppose there is that sense of community and, and shared purpose and alignment, which really helps with everything, doesn't it? And of course, one sort of central voice, if anyone wants to do anything, then they can knock on the door of Baco, and I'm sure that you can help them. So what's it like now, the outsourcing scene and industry? Is it, are you seeing a lot of growth? Because most industries I see, there's just really good, solid growth year after year. Is that the same with uh, Bangladesh? Yeah, I mean, luckily, absolutely. I mean, prior to COVID situation, and even after COVID situation, I think we find just, I think before the war situation, the Russia-Ukraine, war situation. I think the industry has grown every year. Before COVID, we grew almost, I would say almost 60-70% year on year. Then kind of right before COVID, it was about 50%. During the COVID, probably uh, we came down to 10-20%. But even during COVID, we grew. During COVID, different opportunities came, different. Everybody was working from home. Everybody needed a solution. Outsourcing became one of the things that companies were looking for. That how do, how do I get my work done by other companies other than you know, getting my employees to be in, the, in that situation. So, so we have seen, the industry has seen growth during the COVID, but now given the, the, the global situation, the economical downfall, the recession, inflation, whatever you may call it, the industry kind of you know, is, you know, in probably last one year, I would say it just slows down a lot, uh, uh, but the potential is good. and. What was the other question that you asked? That uh, no, that's that's it. Really, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And are you seeing? You mentioned three hundred and fifty companies. What I see on the ground in outsourcing is there's there's actually very low barriers to entry because almost a, a lot of people can start on Upwork and get a few gigs and then try and set up an agency of themselves and start running a bit of a team. And and we find a lot of little startups. You know, and there's pros and cons to that as well. It's very easy to start, but it's not necessarily easy to build a proper company and product as yeah. a result. But are you seeing a lot of, but it's good because again, that's the embryonic stages of uh, industries, isn't it? And then a number of those will grow up to be dominant players eventually. Do you see a lot of little startups in Bangladesh and maybe freelancers turned agencies and, and things like that? Absolutely. I'm glad that you mentioned. I was, was going to talk about the freelancer because that's also kind of part of outsourcing. And you will be surprised to know that actually Bangladesh is, I think, second or third largest freelancer providing country in the world, right after China and maybe another country. You're second or third. We have almost, almost half a million or more than half a million freelancers working in Bangladesh. <clears throat> so the, the benefit is, as you said, that it's a natural growth. Companies are, I mean, people are started as freelancer. So what we did from Vakko actually, we actually took that, took an initiative that bringing those freelancers who are actually working in the in this market for last ten, you know, five six years, maybe they are now have a five or six employees or ten employees on their own, but still kind of doing freelancing. We have taken an initiative to train them and actually brought them, helped them to come into the traditional or uh, mainstream. Uh, business like a, be a Baco member, form a company, uh, maintain all the compliances, 
And you'd be amazed that 90% of them are already onboarded and they are now even doing much better. As you said, a lot of startup is happening in Bangladesh. Even government has their own VC company supporting them, startups coming into the IT market, coming into the BPO sector, working in different different new initiatives. So, so we're seeing the growth in the startup. We're seeing a growth in the freelancing part of it, which somewhat helping our international branding in the international market. Mm. But as I think one of the questions you asked was how uh, all these things previously, as per the trade body or as per the BACO is concerned, it's actually the workload actually got increased a lot. I mean, when we started, well, when, we, when I took office a couple of years back, and since then and, and now, a lot of traction in the market, a lot of positive things. The government is backing up. So there's a lot of policy making. And uh, so the BACO is in every single Whenever there is a discussion on IT or discussion on outsourcing, we have outsourcing policy. We have made in Bangladesh policies. So all these policies that we're working on, BACO is actually contributing. Uh, how to, you know, what are the policies that the, the industry needs? And the government is very supportive to make sure they, were, they are willing to do anything, any kind of policy to increase the export and increase the bringing the foreign customers are flying to Bangladesh and enjoy all these things. So yeah, so the, the workload has gone up tremendously and we're struggling to keep up with all these policies and doing some R&Ds. And so that's a good part. Yeah, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. It, it, it's it's part, great. Though, right? yeah. Oh yeah, tell me about the bad part. <laughs> <laughs> so the bad part is there's, you know, the technologies, right? I mean, people are talking about AI, people are talking about robotic process outsourcing, but machine learning, chat GPT. You know, that's, everybody's now worrying about how that's going to affect the industry or, or industry like Bangladesh. And it's just, we're just growing or in that trajectory. So that's another thing that we as a trade body are also kind of struggling to, to see what's where the whole thing is going and how do we align ourselves, align our members, align the stakeholders. So, so there's a lot of shift. We're seeing some shift changing to, okay, all these policy making, and then all of a sudden, all this technology, uh, how do you, how do we uh, cope up with it? It's ever changing, isn't it? If I can ask, you know, I, I have my own view on how AI is going to impact the outsourcing industry. Look, I, I, I think the, the, the big high repetition roles in the big call centers are at risk, but the more higher value staff augmentation kind of roles really just mimics employment. And so that's far more absolutely. resilient. No, yeah, absolutely. How's, uh, can I ask, how is Bangladesh, uh, the manufacturing and fabrics and clothing industry, is that being impacted by automation and robotics? Are you seeing a lot of that come into the factories? Would Is that a threat to your biggest industry, would you say? Yeah, I mean, we are seeing that the transformation, but not it hasn't affected that much. But yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, probably in the next five or seven years or maybe 10 years, the R&D sector's automation actually will have an impact. And we are, actually, the government is actually working on upskilling, training, and a lot of things. But yes, absolutely. You're absolutely correct that we will be probably seeing some. Uh, and when from the BPO side, I think, that, you know, there, there might be some opportunities uh, when the automations happen on those industries 
maybe some of the work maybe come to our side. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just can't imagine a future, certainly in the short to medium term, where all of our problems are solved and all of our activities are solved. As soon as you solve a certain layer of issues or problems or activities, then it's just another layer appear yeah. on top of that because we're always yeah. pushing forward as humans. We're always curious. We're always starting new things. So I think that the AI tools will really just enable people to do more. They thought work would be sort of abandoned once you invent computers and once you invent telephones and washing machines. And it's just we're still busy, aren't we? We're still all working far too many hours in one Yeah, week. absolutely. I agree with you. I don't think I don't think AI will eliminate job. I think it will increase the efficiency. It will help productivity and help you do your job more faster and efficiently and better. The the innovation well the support your government is offering in terms of the of the freelancers, getting them to kind of graduate into established businesses. That's fantastic. We don't see any of that necessarily in the Philippines. And it's such a big opportunity, isn't it? Because if you just focus on those successful freelancers, gig workers, and give them a bit of a hand up, then they could turn into employers of, of dozens or hundreds of people. We, despite lack of direct assistance here, there are numerous stories that I know of Upwork freelancers that now have started their own agencies and employ hundreds of people, maybe low thousands of people, and just incredible journeys, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, <clears throat> the benefit is because those freelancers already have client base, clientele. They're already working, in, and almost 99% of them are working in the international market. So, so giving them some motivation, some structure, if they can come and be in a in a regular formation of a company, then they get to benefit a lot of things. They get all the event, you know, they get uh, help. They can come being a part of the trade body where they can be part of getting all these training facilities and get the fundings. So there's a lot of avenue gets opened up for them and they can grow. So 10, somebody's working with 10 can grow even they can hire another 100 people. Maybe they can grow to 200 people. Mm -hmm. So... So that's actually is a very good thing that I think the government is supporting. Well, that's Wahid, fantastic story and congratulations on your own growth and the growth of Bako and the growth of the Bangladeshi industry. Really, really incredible to see. And, and just in such a short period of time, sort of 10, 15 years, and it's now 350 companies implying, what, thousands, millions of people. So it's an incredible, incredible journey. Uh, as always, I, if anyone wants to locate there, if anyone wants to get staff there, I'm I'm sure Wahid can help you. And also, Wahid, you are the managing director and CEO of Digicon Technologies. So, if people want to get in touch generally, do you want to just tell people where they can find Backo and where they can find Digicon? Yeah, absolutely. So the Backo website is bacco.org.bd. That's bakpo.org.bd. And that's our website for the trade body. And as I'm the president, you can reach me at president at the red bakpo.org.bd. And for my company, that is digicon, D-I-G-I-C-O-N, technologies.com. And my email address for that is my first name, dot last name is wahid.sharif, S-H-A-R-I-F, at the red digicon technologies.com.
That was Wahid Sharif. He is the president of BACO, the Bangladesh Association of Contact Center and Outsourcing. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to email us any questions, email us at ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.